Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. Parked outside the restaurant where you're meeting your date in 10 minutes. Glancing in the mirror, you notice your wrinkles and large under-eye bags. You rummage through your bag thinking, where's your secret weapon? And there it is, Plexiderm. You apply the clear serum under your eyes and boom, two minutes later, you start seeing the under-eye bags and wrinkles disappearing in front of your eyes. You'll look years younger. Plexiderm is the clinically studied serum that visibly eliminates your wrinkles, crow's feet, and under-eye bags in minutes. It's the Valentine's Day gift you give yourself. Go to triplexiderm.com and enter Voices for 50% off plus an extra 10 bucks off. Again, enter Voices at triplexiderm.com to get 50% off plus an extra 10 bucks off. This offer is also available by calling 1-800-685-1292 and mention code VOICES. Plexiderm is backed by a 90-day money-back guarantee, so to get our special discount, enter Voices at triplexiderm.com. Welcome to the Sanity Cast, the uh, Stephanie Miller Sexy Liberal Podcast Network little podcast over there in the corner about how to not go completely batshit in a time when, well, um, when the reality show character president elected by the minority of voters decides the best man to handle a possible pandemic is his sycophant vice president he's probably firing in July anyway, who happens to believe climate change is a myth like evolution or the female orgasm. Uh, I'm John Fugelsang. I once started a club for introverts and uh, nobody joined. But I do a show on SiriusXM um, on the Progress Channel. We just moved there a few months ago. Our recent guests have included Ice-T and Steve Coogan and Marilou Henner, Dan Rather, Rosario Dawson, Pete Townsend. Lots of great people coming up. C-3PO is coming up next week. Anthony Daniels. Uh, and lots of live dates coming up. March 21st, Madison with Stephanie Miller on the Sexy Liberal Tour. Um, also, uh, Sunday, March 22nd, I'll be in L.A. That's a quick turnaround, isn't it? Um, Friday, March 27th, I'll be in Albuquerque. Um, performing with the Revolutions Theater Festival uh, free Revolutions Theater the Tricklock Theater Company's Revolutions International Theater Festival Free Speech Comedy Festival that's a lot of words but it's about an hour long show and uh, upcoming will be in Miami DC Boston LA Minneapolis uh, Martha's Vineyard and uh, all, all kinds of places um, and this is again a little podcast about how to keep you sane while every day you devote a little bit of energy to canceling the comb over Caligula and uh, it was quite a week, brothers and sisters. This week was so long, 
back when this week began, Chris Matthews was still hosting Hardball. That's how long this week was. When this week began, Trump was going to do a deal with the Taliban called the Ultimate Reverse Bo Bergdahl that would have freed 5,000 of their prisoners. Um, that deal, like most of his deals, completely fell through. Uh, this was the week where the presidential field narrowed to two after one year and 18 other people. It's Bernie versus Biden, right back where it started. And this week, we learned Texas has rapidly reduced polling sites in black and Latino areas. What a shock. Thank you, John Roberts Supreme Court. Never forget the same week in the summer of 2013 that the John Roberts Supreme Court struck down uh, Article 5 of the Voting Rights Act. It was the same week that Sharknado 2 got greenlit. Both of these events tell you a lot about the direction this country was taking. This was the week we learned Iran finally has enough uranium to make a nuclear weapon. Thank you, Donald Trump. Uh, this was the week that anti-gay ex-congressman Aaron Schock came out as gay anti-gay ex-congressman Aaron Schock. Um, and I, I want to say one thing about this. Just don't let... Aaron Schock does not speak for every gay man who hates himself and is dead inside. So please remember that. Um, and Aaron Shaw, congratulations on coming out while still being anti-gay. May the only man ever willing to sleep with you be Milo Yiannopoulos and Mike Pence. So, yeah, this was the week, right, where uh, Trump had just narrowly chosen Mike Pence over the ShamWow guy to handle um, this, being the coronavirus czar. I haven't felt this good about a Trump appointment since he made Kellyanne Conway our opioid czar. When this week began, Donald Trump was calling the coronavirus... A democratic hoax, now with confirmed cases in Europe and the Middle East and the, the States, of course. Um, and they're still talking about uh, halting foreign travel when the virus is already here. And the speed at which these cases are being discovered um, has really, really set a possible bleak outlook in the short term for an outbreak to have a very costly and uh, a very human impact. Um, this threatens a lot of the businesses that prop up our economy, restaurants and bars and travel and events. And um, Donald Trump went on TV and said he didn't believe the death rate was 3.4%, even though approximately 100,000 people have it and 3,400 people have been confirmed to have died from it. Now, I only went to public school, but I'm pretty sure that is literally 3.4%. And they cut the interest rates and they push back the new James Bond film and United Airlines started canceling flights in April. Paris closed the Louvre. Japan has closed schools until April. Iran now has over 2,300 cases and 77 deaths. Around 8% of Iran's lawmakers have tested positive for this virus. The NBA sent a memo to all the teams where they told the players to stop high-fiving fans and to stop taking any items to sign autographs on. And comb over Caligula, in all this time, has literally tweeted about mini-me Mike, mini-Mike Bloomberg, more than he's tweeted about coronavirus. In case you're wondering why the stock market keeps diving. The stock market had their biggest crash since 2008. Donald Trump now has the eight largest Dow, drumps, Dow drops in U.S. history. I know, right? Something finally in this economy he can actually take credit for. And it was amazing. As all this was going on, and every time Donald Trump came out and gave a speech where he lied, and we're going to go through every lie he's told about coronavirus so far. Anytime he came out and did something ridiculous, like put a nincompoop like Mike Pence in charge of a fake 
government tribunal through which all military and science officials must filter their findings through the government because we're China now. Every time he came out and said something freaking stupid, Wall Street took a break from counting their money and seemed to realize, hey, you know, I've enjoyed the tax cut, but it's almost like having a stupid, corrupt, racist, incompetent reality show clown who can't stop lying suddenly doesn't work. Welcome to What the Fuck Fatigue, Super Tuesday Pandemic Week. So, um, you know, we, we've heard conflicting reports about the actual percentage, but um, and thousands of Americans, it seems fair to say thousands have said that uh, they're so afraid of coronavirus, they're not going to drink Corona beer. Um, this is how far we've come in the age of Trump. Before Trump, people got stupid because they drank beer. Now, people aren't drinking beer because they're too stupid. However, Donald Trump, as mentioned before, has a plan to stop coronavirus, and that is Mike Pence. And Mike Pence, let me tell you, man, say what you want about Mike Pence. I mean, you could say a lot. He looks like an 80s power daddy top in an old gay porn. He looks like Ralph from Sound of Music if he survived after the SS for 40 years. A lot we could go into, but but here's the thing, man. Mike Pence, he had the two-prong strategy for taking on coronavirus, and you know what it is. You know what it is. Phase one, he goes after the coronavirus with thoughts. Sends thoughts after that coronavirus, and they hone in on that bitch and pummel it. They're beating the crap out of it. Oh, my God, they've got a tire iron. Oh, it's a scene. People are gathering around. They're, they're, no one was helping the coronavirus because the thoughts are pummeling it so hard. And then, and then when the thoughts have the coronavirus on the ropes, they send in phase two, the prayers. And together, the Mike Prince two-pronged attack of thoughts and prayers will ease a global pandemic or at least goose the stock market until after the November elections. Um, by the way, I love the picture of Mike Pence and all the Christians praying in their coronavirus office. Please remember, anytime you see a picture of anyone in this administration praying, that every one of these alleged Christians voted for a serial sexual assaulter who promised to bring back torture and turn away war refugees. Okay, their their actual Christianity is as authentic as Donald Trump's pigment in March. So um, Mike Pence did this tweet where he said... Um, and again, my God, oh, it's just, it's just, it's just a sh- It's like watching a, it's like watching your bad neighbor's pets die. It's just so sad because you know, he's going to dump Mike Pence for Nikki Haley. And I kind of agree with Paul Begala. He will do it on the 16th of July to pull focus away from the Democratic nominee announcement. But Mike Pence tweeted, President Donald Trump's number one priority is to protect the health and well-being of the American people. And we will continue to bring a government-wide response to the threat of coronavirus. Now, you guys know this, and Mike Pence probably knows it. Donald Trump's number one priority is protecting his job. That's why he's goosing the stock market, why he's lying about a vaccine, and why he's dumping Pence for Nikki Haley. Donald Trump doesn't care about the American people, Mike Pence, any more than he cares about you. Okay, Reek, do you love me? So it, it, it seemed like it couldn't get worse. And then Donald Trump made an appearance with his de facto chief of staff, Sean Hannity. Um, Now, I like the Hannity show a lot. In fact, I actually got a satellite dish in my house so I can watch it in the original German. And while talking with Sean, who looks like, you know, I mean, Fred Flintstone after many years of of, of untreated gigantism, uh, he said he had a hunch, the president did a hunch, that the World Health Organization and the international health officials were all wrong 
about the danger posed by the virus. And he actually said, you've probably heard it, well, I think the 3.4 is really a false number. Now, this is just my hunch. Uh, He said, so I think that number is very high. I think the number personally, I would say the number is way under 1%. Okay, that's the president contradicting the world medical consensus on the mortality rate of a pandemic. That's what that is, okay? So um, listen, once again, we have to tell the children, don't be like the president, please. He said, go to work. If you feel sick, go to work. Please, despite what the occupant says, don't go to work if you're sick. And this speaks to the biggest reason why this country needs universal health care. Because who's at the front lines of these things? Well, it's always the same people, isn't it? The poor, the immigrants, the marginalized, and those on the front lines, service workers, and healthcare professionals. And if you're really poor or if you're undocumented, you don't get sick days. You have to go. What, you're sick? You have a persistent fever and a cough? Well, you're going to take some DayQuil and get out there. And this is how the viruses spread. Our own lack of access to healthcare is making us sick. So, um, don't listen to the president, please. There's videos out there on the internet showing health experts literally explaining this to Trump while he argues with them, and then he actually incorrectly repeats what he thinks he just heard. He also said the, there'll be a vaccine this year. It will not. And given the state of our healthcare system, who can afford one when they, it finally does come out? So here are some of Donald Trump's top lies about coronavirus, besides the vaccine that would come out this year. Um, He said there was a list of different countries uh, from Johns Hopkins University, a list of the best rated countries that are most prepared with the United States uh, atop the UK, Netherlands, Australia, Canada, Thailand. Um, That was a lie. He was actually referring to um, the Global Health Security Index that came out last October before any of this happened. It's completely irrelevant when referring to how prepared America is for an epidemic. In fact, it's a 300-page it's report, and it says security is fundamentally weak and there are gaps to address. Um, and this is especially true because the president has gutted the Center for Disease Control. Here's Donald Trump's biggest lie, next to the death rate, of course. Uh, it'll be gone by April when it's warm. Okay, folks, right now in Singapore, it's summer for them, and the virus is spreading all over the place. Multiple health officials from this administration have said that's not true. And it's rooted in this idea that that the U.S. flu season always ends in the spring. Um, Trump said, uh, as most of you know, the level that we've had in our country is very low. Those people are getting better, or we think, in almost all cases. Now, at the time he said that, he said we we have a total of 15. At the time he said that, uh, there were actually 60 confirmed cases. The president said there were a total of 15 when there were already 60 confirmed cases. So... He said very exciting things are happening rapidly, uh, including a quick vaccine. And right away, the top expert on his own task force said maybe in 18 months. Now, when I was a boy, we had this expression called the Katrina moment. Remember that? Way, way back in the day. Um, This could finally be Trump's Katrina moment. And unfortunately, uh, there's no pleasure to take in it. I don't want Donald Trump to be defeated by a virus that kills a lot of people or trashes the world economy. I want Donald Trump to be defeated because his supporters develop awareness and empathy. But we'll see. Because Trump knew for like four months he knew. He knew in 2019. He fired the people 
at the NSC and at Homeland Security who are in charge of epidemics, and he can't stop lying about it. See, New Yorkers don't take this guy seriously. Uh, the great com- uh, comedian Christian Finnegan says New Yorkers, for them, I mean, Trump was always one notch above the naked cowboy. The world doesn't take Donald Trump seriously. Nobody's afraid of him. Nobody respects him. Nobody believes him. No one will trust him on a peace deal. Uh, 35% of Americans do take him seriously out of the whole world. 35% of Americans take him seriously. And that's all you need if enough other people are apathetic or broke or stressed out or you've made it too hard to vote. Okay, coronavirus potentially is a Hurricane Maria. And American lives are Puerto Rico. And Donald Trump is here to pass out fucking paper rolls. That's where it's at. Meanwhile, Super Tuesday. Um, Can we talk about this a little bit? Can we get the liberals and Democrats to gather around and uh, not be threatened by each other for just five minutes? Because Democrats really are like a family. Uh, We're all on the same fucking team, but can't stop screaming at each other. Now, here's my deeply unpopular opinion about this whole election. And um, I said at the beginning of the campaign, I said that I I wasn't going to endorse anybody. I was going to be fair and biased. I wasn't going to pretend I don't have preferences and policies. Um, But I said I was not going to hate any of these candidates. Because I've said it before, how does hating Mayor Pete defeat Trump? How does hating Bernie? How does hating Hillary Clinton? How does hating Joe Biden? How does hating Mike Bloomberg help? Well, it feels good to hate Mike Bloomberg. I mean, that that you're allowed to do here and there. Um, So one year, 20 candidates, 200,000 debates. We're back where we started. Bernie versus Biden. I'm going to try and be positive about everybody here. Uh, Biden, I mean, yeah, it's remarkable. What happened was remarkable. Um, He was counted out. No one took him seriously. We spent the better part of a year playing this reality show called Moderate Alternative to Biden Idol, where everyone tried to say, hey, I'm the electable alternative to Biden who's not in favor of universal health care. And finally, Biden won the anti-Biden trophy. And I'll give him credit. He had a great debate performance last week. Um, we were doing a live show at SiriusXM right as soon as it ended, and, and he won the debate. He really did well. It reminded me of his best debate when he went up against Paul Ryan eight long years ago in 2012. You ever seen that debate? Go Google it. Biden's good when he's debating someone to the right of him. And that debate, it's like Clarence Darrow bitch-smacking Draco Malfoy. Um, and then he won South Carolina. And that was remarkable because we don't really see a lot of instances where an endorsement really makes an impact. I mean, look at Hillary Clinton, Jay-Z and Springsteen and RZA and George H.W. Bush and Howard Stern all supported her. And she did get the most votes. She was elected president. Um, She was elected president, by the way. The Constitution has a little clause that said she wasn't. But uh, Jim Clyburn gave this endorsement and gave it beautifully. You should watch the speech. And... It was, I believe, up to 47% of uh, voters in exit polls in South Carolina said the Clyburn speech was the deciding factor. That's amazing. You look at how quickly this turned in Sanders' favor. I don't know if Barack Obama was making phone calls or what, but 30.2% was the average margin that Biden won in voters who made up their mind like that day on Super Tuesday or in the last couple of days. Um... It's astonishing. People just decided right away, right away, like like a third of them decided to vote for Biden that day or that weekend. And he got Texas, which, by the way, um, 
Bernie lost by a vast margin in uh, in, in 2016, and it was very close. Um, he won Virginia, North Carolina, Tennessee, Oklahoma, Alabama, won Massachusetts, Minnesota, which Senator Sanders did win in 2016. He assembled a really broad coalition across the whole country, and he did it with no money, Bloomberg. Like, that's the thing. Joe Biden was doing so much local media, and and it was more or less a thing of... Do you want the people who have fervent followers and represent the future of the party and want to do the health care reforms and education reforms and financial reforms that we need to save a middle class? No? Oh, okay. Okay. Um, so Joe Biden deserves credit. And, you know, I, and the African-American voters of, uh, of South Carolina, um, you know, they made their choice. And I'll tell you. I get tired of hearing these pundits talking about African-American Democratic primary voters like they're this monolithic group that all thinks the same, and they're not. But they do have one thing in common I I have found in my life with much respect. African-American Democratic primary voters are very pragmatic. You know, they, they want a candidate who can win, and they want a candidate who will do the least harm to this country and working people. And when Mike Bloomberg had a couple of weeks there where it looked like he might really be able to buy this and pull it off, I mean, if you watch TV commercials, it seemed like he already was president. And, and you know, I knew liberals were starting to panic. Oh, my God, Bloomberg versus Trump? That's going to be the choice? It kind of makes you realize a little bit, like one-tenth of one percent, what it's like for African-Americans for presidential elections for decades. Wow. Who's the least racist white man I'm going to be forced to vote for? And, you know, Biden did great. He and, and I prefer Biden to Bloomberg, of course, and he got a lot of movement towards him at the last minute. And he ran up big margins in the South. I mean, Alabama, he won by more than 40 points. Virginia, like, was almost 30 points. Arkansas, North Carolina, more, like 20 points apiece. I mean, he got the momentum. Um, Sanders, you know, lost a couple of states where he had beaten Hillary Clinton a few years ago. But I don't think it was a complete loss for him as well. Um, when you look at the fact that... Uh, well, he won California, which he lost last time, and um, there's the Trump effect, right? Like, if in 2016 all the moderate Republicans, except Jeb Bush, had dropped out before Super Tuesday, if Marco Rubio and Chris Christie and, oh my God, it's it's like the Suicide Squad, if they'd all quit, Jeb Bush would have taken their delegates and Jeb Bush would have beaten Trump. He would have gotten the nomination. And that's what they knew. And it worked on both sides. So getting Klobuchar and Steyer and Buttigieg out, I was wrong. I thought they'd stay in until after Super Tuesday. Um, Elizabeth Warren did stay in. And you have to remember this to my Bernie fans now. Uh, Here's the deal. Um, Had Warren dropped out, Bernie would have won Massachusetts. He would have won Texas. Probably would have won Minnesota. The margins of her win, presuming of her finish, presuming all of her delegates, all of her voters, rather, went to Bernie, uh, probably would have pulled it off. So um, Bernie did not have a bad night, and it's going to be a very interesting few months for Senator Sanders, a higher profile than he's ever imagined. And I'm very sorry that Elizabeth Warren has dropped out. I wish she was still in the race, um, and uh, I, I, I hope we see her on the national stage a great deal. I'd love to see her run the Truth and Reconciliation Committee when Trump is out of office. Uh, for the most part, a great campaign. And uh, I, I'm, I'm very sad about, about it. I, I really thought she'd do better. This was, a, this was a race that began with us saying, hey, which of all the women running for president do you like? And it sort of became, hey, which of the billionaires do you like? And Mike Bloomberg, I'm... I'm I'm, I'm kind of trying to not be mean to Mike Bloomberg anymore because I'm not worried, you know. Saw the commercial, 
didn't buy the product. And he had decent numbers in some states. Um, he bested Elizabeth Warren for third in a few states. Um, he, he, he did pretty well in Utah. He won American Samoa. That's cool. He can go buy it. Um, but I'm, I'm done picking on Mike Bloomberg because I want to thank him for all the great ads. You know, I'm sorry the guy who made the ads and runs his Twitter couldn't debate for him. Um, and Elizabeth Warren, really, she did to Mike Bloomberg what Chris Christie did to Marco Rubio. Didn't win, but took out that guy. And Bloomberg has already weakened Trump. He's weakened him a lot. Think about all the Bloomberg commercials you saw. Now imagine all the conservative people who sat through those, all the old folks who watched the commercials who sat through those. And Bloomberg's going to keep on spending money. He's going to keep on making ads. And his exit speech was classy. Um, he said, you know, that he got in the race because he didn't think anybody could beat Trump, and he got out because he thinks Biden can beat Trump. And Biden can beat Trump. Bernie Sanders can beat Trump. Elizabeth Warren could have beaten Trump. Any of them could beat Trump if the Democratic Party can unite and coalesce around one nominee. So what's coming up? I'm actually excited. It might be ugly, but I do think that these two old white men are going to avoid personal attacks. They're going to keep it to policy. They're going to keep it to each other's records. And my God, they both have long records. You're going to learn every bad vote they ever did. But um, I'm not looking forward to all the jokes about old white guys. Because can I be honest? I'm, I'm kind of over that little little trope. Um, I'm not afraid of old white men. I'm afraid of old white men ideas. I, I like a lot of old white men. Paul McCartney's kind of awesome. I wish he could be president. Uh, it's, you know, Herbert Hoover mentality. That's what scares me. I'm not universal health care. What I'm excited about, even though it's going to be the old white man, and it might lead right to the convention, and God knows it could be a Sherrod Brown, Kamala Harris ticket if the, if it goes that way and everyone's going to be mad, although that ticket could destroy Trump, but it's going to be about ideologies now. These two men have a path to a majority of the delegates, and I predict they're going to try and go positive against each other. They're going to follow every slam with a compliment, but it's going to be about two different visions for the country. And that's going to be really good for the Democratic Party. It's going to be really good for America to hear two men who are the opposite of Donald Trump. Yeah, they're white guys in their 70s. Keep talking about that. But these two guys could not be more different. And I, I, I reject the people who say Bernie Sanders, I mean, who say uh, Joe Biden is, is the same as Trump. It's not true. It's not fair. It's not smart. Um, I think that Bernie needs to refocus and sell his message to the moderates. Time to stop saying Democratic Socialist. Say FDR Democrat. Say you're a, I don't know, say you're a, you're a, a, a capitalist with empathy. Um, it's not going to be hard to do. And Joe Biden's got to do the same thing. Start selling yourself to the liberal wing of the party. Start saying that you respect why they like Bernie and start saying how much Trump would smear him, how much Trump would block him, how none of this would ever happen and how you want to carry their message forward. Listen, we're going to be hearing about their records forever. Bernie's not going to dominate, but he will be competitive. Biden's going to do well in the South, but people forget Bernie's going to do very well in the West. He has big help in the West. He has big Latin support as well. Uh, he's already won Utah, Nevada, and California. Um, so we'll see where it leads to, but I keep thinking about 2004. You know, in 2004, there was this meme, uh, Data Dean married Carrie. Maybe you remember that. It was a bumper sticker. Like people who flirted with Howard Dean, the iconoclast New England uh, Democrat who promised to bring universal health care. But then they settled down, went with a grown-up like John Kerry. And, and, you know, they pleaded with moderates to speak with one voice here. But um, there was this other part, uh, this other uh, moment in 2004, which is the election this one reminds me the most of, 
where at one Democratic Party event, Howard Dean got up and said, good evening, I'm from the Democratic wing of the Democratic Party, and the liberals all cheered. And then later, Senator John Kerry got up and said, good evening, I'm from the electable wing of the Democratic Party. Huge ovation. John Kerry went on to get the nomination and, of course, was elected president. And that's the wrap on the moderate Democrats. For the most part, outside of Barack Obama, the moderates have not fared well. Hillary Clinton, Michael Dukakis, you know, Al Gore, John Kerry, I could go on. It's going to get ugly. Um, And I don't blame Bernie Sanders for what his fans do. I've heard him speak many times about the need to be civil, about the need to be kind to other people. I don't blame Jesus or Jodie Foster for what their creepy fans do. So I try not to blame Bernie. But here's what I will say. Um, At the end of the day, uh, yeah, the divisions will be steep and they might go until the summer. And they might last forever. And there could be a schism that tears this party apart for generations. But by the time we get to November, no matter how much these Democrats have hated each other, they're going to remember three things. Climate change is real. Ruth Bader Ginsburg is 139 years old. And you're allowed to vote for somebody you only agree with on 85% of shit. Meeting your date in 10 minutes. Glancing in the mirror, you notice your wrinkles and large under-eye bags. You rummage through your bag thinking, where's your secret weapon? And there it is, Plexiderm. You apply the clear serum under your eyes and boom, two minutes later, you start seeing the under-eye bags and wrinkles disappearing in front of your eyes. You'll look years younger. Plexiderm is the clinically studied serum that visibly eliminates your wrinkles, crow's feet, and under-eye bags in minutes. It's the Valentine's Day gift you give yourself. Go to TriPlexiderm.com and enter Voices for 50% off plus an extra 10 bucks off. Again, enter Voices at TriPlexiderm.com to get 50% off plus an extra 10 bucks off. This offer is also available by calling 1-800-685-1292 and mention code VOICES. Plexiderm is backed by a 90-day money-back guarantee, so to get our special discount, enter Voices at triplexiderm.com. I had so much I wanted to get to here, and so um, we'll have another one in a couple of days. I'm going to have a special podcast about why Gone with the Wind, all things considered, is the worst movie ever made. Great acting, beautiful film, great music, uh, worst movie ever made. So watch for that. Also, this didn't get a lot of news this week. A lot of things didn't get a lot of news this week. Uh, you know, a guy shooting up a Coors plant uh, gets news for five minutes. Six people died, but we're used to that. If it had been six people killed by coronavirus in the chorus plant, it would still be on TV. But some health threats to Americans just aren't as sexy. Amazon is going to be laying off 3,200 delivery drivers to replace them with cheaper carriers. Amazon paid 1.2% last year on $13 billion in profits. And Jeff Bezos has a new house in Beverly Hills that has three saunas. He got it for $165 million. Thanks, Trump. So I, I, here's some good news. Can I give you some good news? Because um, there was some this week. Um, Gallup found that Americans identifying as liberal has gone up from 17% in 1992 to 26% in 2018. And liberal has become uh, more popular as moderate has become less popular. Conservative has stayed the same for 28 years. Also, um, Harvey Weinstein who is now to be known as convicted rapist Harvey Weinstein, he's been moved uh, into Rikers Island Prison. Now, I think Rikers is a terrible place. I'm glad they're shutting it down. But he's gone to jail. It's never been harder for a man to get away with 
interfering with a woman or a child. And Harvey Weinstein, I mean, you know, the man looks like an infected toe. Uh, it, it, but but again, um, thank God and God bless all the people who talk and speak up about about abuse. It's just never been harder to get away with it. And God bless the altar boys who are now men. God bless all the women who just got tired of taking this bullshit on behalf of all men who didn't know you were allowed to be a monster. I thought I had to develop a sense of humor to talk to girls. So no one hates these douchebags more than nice guys. Trust me. And um, one thing about Chris Matthews. Yeah. Uh, Look, after he made the comment about Bernie Sanders and compared the senator winning Nevada to being uh, Hitler taking over France, you kind of knew it was done, right? Bernie Sanders doesn't have any cousins or uncles or aunts on his dad's side because his dad's family was wiped out by the Nazis. You kind of knew it was done. Um, I've done Chris Matthews' show a few times, and I've met him. He's been at a few shows I've done, and uh, he's always been very kind to me. Um, I'll just say this. He he had to go, and his sign-off was uh, quite compelling because he acknowledged why he was being let go, and he made some very brave brave uh, admissions and 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 it was very wise um but he's someone i want to give credit for and i'm not going to slam the guy who just lost his job he had to go but he was one of the few major media news figures to ever force a presidential candidate in this country to admit what banning abortion would really be like do you remember in the campaign of 2016 when he sat down with donald trump for a town hall on msnbc and he asked trump what it would look like when abortion was banned and he got trump to prove what is true of most anti-abortion politicians. They haven't fought it through. Being anti-abortion is really morally simple. It requires no nuance. It requires no empathy. You're always in favor of what you think is the most marginalized person, and you're always pretending the Bible is against abortion. And, And again, I'm not against people. You want to be against abortion? Fine. You want to criminalize it, put women and doctors in jail? Fine. Stop pretending it's Christian. Stop pretending the Bible's against it. It ain't. Jesus was against the death penalty. Uh, God's kind of the least pro-life character in the book. If God didn't like killing kids, we wouldn't have Passover. So Chris Matthews held Trump's feet to the fire. And he said, should women be punished? And Trump said, yes. And then Chris Matthews said, should the men who get them pregnant be punished? And Trump said, no. He got him to admit it. I've never heard a journalist get a Republican anti-abortion rights politician to talk about what it would look like when you criminalize it. When I had my show on Current, I used to ask people, and I've done it on my show on, on SiriusXM, I've asked people who want to criminalize abortion. I said, so once it's illegal in all 50 states, and by the way, try this with your anti-abortion loved ones. Let's say it's illegal in all 50 states. You've achieved your dream. We all know it won't stop abortion. It'll just stop the safe legal kinds. You'll create thousands of new Dr. Kermit Gosnell butcher clinics, and poor women will die, and it'll still happen. Um, But once you've banned it in all 50 states, congratulations, uh, a woman is raped and becomes pregnant and goes to her doctor who terminates the pregnancy. Ask your anti-abortion rights loved ones, in this scenario in the America you dream of, who deserves the longest prison sentence? The rapist, the woman, or the doctor? Make them answer. Chris Matthews actually said to Trump, this is not something you can dodge. And Trump responded, because Trump is stupid, saying that women should be punished. And then later that day, his campaign put out a a correction saying, no, he thinks doctors should be punished. And later that day, put out a message saying, uh, Donald Trump believes what President Reagan believed. Complete rubbish. And that was four years ago. And in those four years, 
no one's ever asked him this question a second time. So thank you, Chris Matthews, for standing up for women's rights and, uh, and doing what a journalist is supposed to do. Um, good luck to you. They're probably going to give him my show. Why am I worse than this guy? Good luck. So anyway, thank you guys very much for listening. Please listen to all the great shows at the Sirius. I'm going I'm to lose my job to Chris Matthews. He's in Denny's right now. <laughs> but please, please subscribe to all the great podcasts uh, on the Stephanie Miller Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. And um, go to johnpeoplesang.com. Check out our merchandise. Uh, come see us live. And uh, thank you very much for listening. Remember, nobody, nobody hates other Americans like an American who keeps bragging about how American he is. 